Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. We're live at the Westside Pub on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Thank you all for joining us. We're at Girls School in Morris. One of our annual events during the football season is hitting up the Westside Pub, and this is a good one, too. It's always a good one, but even more magnified because we're going to be giving you a chance to win a couple of pair of Eagles Colts tickets. That is a week from Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium, and you will get to see the debut of Jeff Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Now, the debut for Jeff Saturday officially in the NFL as an interim head coach is this Sunday coming up in Vegas, but a week from Sunday, his Lucas Oil Stadium debut, his home debut, and you could get down here, enjoy the great food, the great atmosphere, the fun times here. A lot of West Side folks always say, hey, when are you going to show up near where we live? You're always going to the north side. You're always sometimes downtown. You're in Fishers. You're in Carmel. When are you going to come to the west side? We're at the west side so bring it. We got a full show for you today. I've got a locked and a loaded show for you. And I wanted to get to this. And this is not stirring the pot. This is not, how should I put this? Yeah, I'm not carrying the flag for the Colts. I'm not cheerleading. I actually picked against them again this week, if you want to go to our official predictions, which dropped a little bit earlier today. But I am sick and tired of the hyperbole. And believe me, this comes from the hyperbole king right here. Like week one must win guy. Hyperbole king, that would be me. But I am now sick and tired of hearing about how egregious this Jeff Saturday interim hiring is. It's not egregious by a lot of things of which have gone on in the NFL. It may be incredibly misguided. It may be incredibly inaccurate. It may be incredibly knee-jerk. It may be incredibly looking back on the golden era and embracing an era in which has been gone for a number of years now. It just may end up being flat wrong and not help anything. 
but the most egregious thing that Joe Thomas has seen in the NFL in his career, you got to just shut up. You got to just shut up if you're Joe Thomas or really anybody else or profootballtalk.com. I'm going to tell you what, as much as I like Roadhouse, as much as I love Fast Times at Ridgemont High, as much as I love hooping, as much as I love talking to you on a daily basis inside the lounge via YouTube Live or 93.5 or 107.5, the fan, Mike Florio and company love making crap out of nothing. They love it. They love smashing that trash can with a hammer for no reason. Oh, he's in love with this right now. You talk about how I might get a sports arousal one of these days if Peyton Manning were to ever come back, which he isn't. Mike Florio has got a pop tent right now. There's no doubt wherever he's broadcasting live from about this Colts and Jim Mersey and this Jeff Saturday thing. It's not that big of a deal other than it could be a bad hire. It could be ill-advised. And herein lies the problem that you have. You get Joe Thomas, a former player, getting on the NFL Network with Good Morning Football with Days of Our Lives, Kyle Brandt, and you get on, and you feel you're in the company of so many here that you got to stand alone. you got to make your mark. So you say something that's stupid. You just can't be yourself. And say something in which you believe. This is why I have a problem. All these morning shows suck because that's exactly what they do. We've got to do this. We've got to stand alone from Stephen A. in the morning. I've got to stand alone from Mike Greenberg. Let's get this panel of 95,000 people on the set at once here, and I want to stand alone from these 95,000 people, and you end up saying stupid crap. Nothing egregious about this hire. Completely ill-advised, maybe, probably. Misguided, probably, maybe. But egregious in all of your years in the NFL if you're Joe Thomas. So today, that took me to a place where, even though I have selected against the Colts this weekend, and I think it stands to reason, because I don't care who you bring in. You could bring in... you. You could resurrect Vince Lombardi, and if that offense plays like it did last week, you're not going to beat Center Grove. You can bring in anybody you want. It won't matter unless that offense plays drastically different. It just won't matter. I don't think it's going to matter as long as you have Sam Ellinger at quarterback. I just think it's going to matter. Nothing against Sam Ellinger, but come on. It's not going to matter. This has so much less to do with Jeff Saturday and Parks Frazier at this point. It may be completely discombobulated, but at this point, this would be about the established players that are playing against a two-win team that's had three 17-point advantages and gagged each of those three up that are primed themselves For a home loss, their leading tackler last week decided to retire. They've got a head coach that everybody loved that now nobody loves. They're in quite the mess as well. 
I don't think the Colts are going to go out there and win, but I can tell you this right now, I hope they do. I hope they do. And if it's just shutting people up and calming down this high level of hyperbole and this BS for a couple of days, I'm all in for it. I am fine with it. I've told you this before. I think Jeff Saturday has a gig in this long term, regardless of what happens. And frankly, if they were to go out there and lose, it would probably be for the betterment of their placement in the spring NFL draft. Because there is no doubt what they need to do. You need to get up there to see if you can get one of these. I guess they are three right now. Maybe they'll end up being four or more. But certainly the elite-level quarterbacks where you're talking about Young or you're talking about Stroud or you're talking about Levis, no, that would be better. That would be the best thing. But I'm not thinking about the best thing in what happens in the spring right now. I'm thinking about getting a little bit of revenge. I'm thinking about shutting some people up. I'm thinking about a team that shows some pride and plays even at the least of what we expected them to do game after game this year. I'm talking about a team backing up. Oh, we really like him. We were inspired by his words. Don't let that fade. Don't let these guys that try to give 35 seconds to try to outdo the previous 35 seconds of the other clown on TV this morning. Go out there and at least for the moment, shut everybody up. There is nothing more beautiful in the world in any competition than shutting somebody up. And if that's me, that's me. Because listen, I've not been a big fan of this hire either. I thought it was a complete performance on Monday during that press conference. But I'm at a point right now, I don't care. Pride be damned. If I have to go down with this proverbial ship, I'll go down with this ship. If you guys can say, hey, we told you this was going to be good, then so be it. Shut these guys up. Sick of hearing them. Well, you can just turn them off. I do turn them off, but then I get on my phone and everybody's retweeting all this stuff at me. Let me retweet this at you. Look what Joe Thomas said. And really, I shouldn't give one big fat crap about what Joe Thomas said, and neither should you, but there's a breaking point for us all. I want to see this team go out there and shut some people up, just for a moment. And if that includes me, that includes me. Westside Pub's our location. Joe Wrights is going to join us coming up in a minute. Of course, a part of uh, not only Colts Roundtable Live every Monday, but also our pregame shows on Sunday. The home dates, I don't know if he's going to come in coming up on Sunday as well when they're out in Vegas, but Joe Wrights, the former offensive lineman of the Colts, is going to join us uh, coming up here in a minute. And I know, too, I'm not going to lose sight of the fact this is a regional final Friday night. A lot of big games going on everywhere. We'll talk to Bob Lovell about that. Coming up here near the bottom of the hour, too. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Don Fisher is going to join us. IU offensively. I'll tell you what, I enjoyed the hell out of that offensive performance. I know it was against Bethune-Cookman or whatever, but there are a lot of dudes that can play a little bit of hoop on that IU team. We'll talk to Don about that. And I don't know whether or not John Price is here this week, but I'm assuming we'll find out whether or not John Price is going to be here this week a little bit later on in the show. And I do... I want to shout out to all the veterans out there on this Veterans Day. Uh, You know, obviously, from top to bottom, no matter what age, no matter what you have done with your time serving in the military, um, I, along with everybody else that listens to this show, that participates in this show, uh, we stand for you. 
we salute you on this day of days for you, this Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. We appreciate you more than you know. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, the former Colts offensive lineman, uh, he's a part of Colts Roundtable Live. He's a part of the Colts Radio Network. He's a part of what we do on the Colts pregame show as well. It's uh, Joe Rice with us. I, I kind of came, Joe, to a breaking point. Um, am, am I altogether a believer in what transpired earlier this week and the direction they're going with the interim head coach and you know bringing in Parks Frazier to, to call the plays and doing that within a week where you have to prepare to actually play an NFL game on the road coming up on Sunday? But I've heard so much overblown, so much hyperbole about this throughout the NFL. To me, I want to see the Colts go in on Sunday and whip some ass. Honestly, I do. I'm at that point right now. Without being a cheerleader, picking against them, by the way, going to Vegas, I want to see them whip some ass because I'm over it all. I agree. And, uh, John, always good to be on with you. I love your fire here on a Friday afternoon. And I'm the same way. And and I'm going to be a cheerleader for the team because I love this team and I played for this team. And I love Jeff Saturday. He was a great teammate to me for two years and really did a lot for me in the formative part of my career. But where I'm at, like everybody, I wasn't shocked that Frank got fired after the game. You know, I was maybe a bit surprised, and you never want to see a coach go. But it's clear something needed to happen, you know, because of the way things kind of went from bad to worse, from Tennessee to Washington to New England. And I was shocked that Jeff got hired. It was unique. It hadn't been done before, out of the box, whatever you want to say. But bottom line, you know, to come in here and say that it's disrespectful to NFL coaches, you know, I hear that on one end. On the other end, you didn't just hire a TV analyst, right? You hired a guy that's been in this building, that was a part of greatness, that was a part of this franchise when the bar, the low end of the bar, as fans know, was to win 11, 12 games and win the division. That was the standard that was expected. And, and right. I can only guess that Mr. Ursay says, hey, the culture here has eroded. We're not where we want to be really, you know, since Christmas Day, things have kind of gone south, you know, since with the Colts beat the Cardinals there and then lost the last two. And it's gone from bad to worse. And to try to change things up and shake up the culture. And I'll say this about Jeff, and I've watched a couple of his press conferences like everybody else. He's not scared. And he's got nothing to lose. And see where this eight games go. And from a player perspective, so I'm a player in that room. A coach gets let go. It's sad. It's unfortunate. It's not good for anybody. But you're sitting up a little bit straighter in the meetings because what that tells you is everybody's on notice. Everybody in that building, from players to coaches, you know, to everybody running around, it's all about performance. It's all about getting evaluated these last eight weeks. And I'm with you. This team knows what they can do. They've won games. A lot of these guys played in the NFL a long time. Go out there to Vegas and get a win. And a win can go a long ways you know, to just soften and everything, you know, and all the angst and anxiety and frustration around the building nationally, et cetera. So Joe Wright's with us, the former Colts offensive lineman here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Joe, we had a late arrival here with us here at the Westside Pub. Chris Hagan to Fox 59 is here, and I believe he wants to lob you a call off camera, which I guess wow. is good, Hagan, if Hagan's off camera. You have a question for Joe here you want to jump in? Uh, Joe, um, longtime listener, first-time caller. Um <laughs> We've seen in college football this year um, when you get an interim coach and sometimes these teams have gone out there and performed well, even won some games. And I think that a lot of that is like the rah-rah factor, you know, for these college players. I don't think that's going to be the same 
you know, at the pro level, because you speak to that, what it is. I talked to a lot of the guys in the locker room, and they do say they, they feel kind of reinvigorated. They have a different energy. Is that something, at least in the short term, you can play off of as well? I think definitely in the short term. There's always a different energy when you change a coach, you change a quarterback. You'll see teams do that from time to time, right? When Clemson was playing a couple of weeks ago and Dabo makes the switch, instantly they get energy, they go down and score. But to me, it's more about execution at the end of the day. You're playing a team, Vegas, that's desperate. They need to win. They're upset with their coach. And the bottom line, professionals are going to be professionals. What I'm most interested in is offensively. This team has really been abysmal offensively all year. It's a combination of a lot of different factors. But I think the defense has played well, and it sounds like Sat's going to let Gus Bradley do his thing. The special teams, overall, I think Bubba has done a nice job, and they're going to do their thing. But offensively, where does this team go? What's the identity of this team offensively? Unfortunately, through nine games, you really don't have one. Parks Frazier's calling plays for the first time. To me, that's really the thing that I'm going to be watching, you know, um, you guys in game, because I thought Rick Venturi made a great point Monday when we were doing our Monday night radio show. Anybody can put together a game plan, and anybody can have the game plan throughout the week, come up with it. But calling plays on Sunday, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, that's a unique skill set and differentiator. And I think that's where the Colts have really struggled in a lot of times play calling this year. So I'm excited to see, you know, Parks Frazier. He's new, never done it before. He's going to be a little bit unknown. But um, that's what I'm going to be watching from a schematic standpoint that I think really when we're, we're finding out who wins at the end of the game, Vegas or the Colts, it's going to be offensively, and can we get some things dialed up we haven't been able to do this year so far. Hey, Joe, as I mentioned earlier, too, I'm not really excited about seeing the offense because I think they're going to stink because they stunk last week and they stunk most often this season. I, I just I want to see these guys kick it into gear because I, I'm really at, at this Friday point, I'm sick of this being – as Joe Thomas put it, such an egregious deal to some. And all that is, that is a Friday morning show where one of six guys have to sound like that they're different or, uh, I, I guess, more critical than the other in this case. That's the crap that I'm sick of. I, I don't really believe in what's going down right now, but I would like to see the Colts step up in a capacity in which we have not seen them step up. Do I expect it? No. Would I want to see it Sunday? Absolutely. No question. And, again, offensively is going to drive the ship. When you look at just this year, we haven't run the ball like we should have. We haven't protected like we need to. And we've turned the ball over at a high, high rate. You go back to those games in Tennessee and Washington, it's turnover differential. And that's the bottom line. You know, we throw a pick six last week. You can't win, especially when the Colts and you're struggling a little bit, by being one, two, three turnover differential and giving the team – six points on that side of the football. And so with Ellinger, what do they dial up? I think that they've been pretty tempered, so to speak, in terms of in the first two games. You know, they haven't run a lot of, uh, you know, they haven't run the triple option or, you know, zone read, you know, kind of different crazy looks that I think Sam's very capable of. And I'll be interested to see. I know him and Parks have a really close relationship. Do they do some things differently that other teams haven't seen on film? And then the other issue is Jonathan Taylor in the running game. You know, Jonathan Taylor since week one really hasn't been what we've seen and come to expect of him. I don't think that's a product as much as him, although he's dealt with some injuries as the offensive line and blocking. And, again, something, John, we've been talking about all year. I've been talking about the the ability to block with a tight end, something that we haven't done. Woods is out. You know, Mo Alley didn't practice a couple days. Granson, you know, may be the only kind of healthy tight end on the the roster. But – what can we do, do differently schematically in the run game? And I just know from experience, 
and when Jeff was playing, we did a lot of things differently than just running kind of inside zone like this team has kind of done really just vanilla run game stuff year to date. I'll be interested to see if we dial up some different things in the running game to try to pop and get that going because that's where we got to start offensively, especially with a young quarterback like Sam. It's at Joe Wrights on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Two things here. One is you saw last week, and it was interesting to me, there was a little to no movement and moving the pocket around with, with Ellinger. I, I, the, the game plan offensively uh, seemed ridiculous. Uh, going to be overwhelmed anyway by Matthew Judon, which they were. But yeah, the fact they kind of stuck with what they started with and it never changed was kind of ridiculous to me. And the other thing, do you believe, you believe that Sam Ellinger in this case gives this team Sunday a better chance to win, for example, than does Matt Ryan? Uh- yeah, and I heard you know earlier. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Matt Ryan's going to be the backup. Is that right? He is going to be the backup. I I thought either he or Nick Foles gives them a better chance to win Sunday than Ellinger. You, know, you agree or disagree? You know, I, I would say neutral on that question. You know, if you'd asked me after the Tennessee game just how we turned the ball over, I think we talked about it. I thought Ellinger gave us a better chance to win against Washington. You know, now New England was a different animal going up there, and again, nothing went right. You give up nine sacks. I mean, you know, we didn't block Matthew Judon on third down and Deion Jackson went the other way. I mean, that stuff's inexcusable, right? You can't do that stuff, you know, at high school, let alone the NFL, and want to try to win games. So everybody's got to be better and sharper offensively. Again, I'm looking at the X's and O's, the plays calls, and I'm looking at those 11 guys that are on the field offensively because clearly that's been this biggest issue. And guys know that, and guys feel that, and all of a sudden your coach – who's an offensive coach and calling the plays, gets let go. Well, where does that blame lead to, John, right? It it falls on the players. That's how I would view it. Like, hey, you know, our coach was fired because we didn't do a good enough job. We got to step up. Let's take some ownership for ourselves in this unit, and let's go out and play, and let's just, you know, never again put that performance, you know, on tape like they had against New England because that, again, there's different moments that you're watching and kind of seeing it unfold, and that's how I felt in that game. It It was so bad and almost so deflating that, you know, I uh, watched it wasn't as much upset as I just was kind of sad about it. And I think that's what, you know, led to a move of this magnitude. You kind of had to do something to shake things up. Joe, when you, when you think about, you know, they're not throwing in the towel, you know, they're not waving the white flag. Uh, that's one thing for the owner and the, the interim coach to say, but going in that locker room, that's not the way professionals think, is it? That's not the – they're not thinking about next year in a draft pick. They're thinking about this is their profession, this is pride, and so there's not going to be any of that, well, let's just go play out the string, is there? Here, Here's my view if I'm sitting in that locker room, Chris. There's eight games left. Our coach was fired midseason. We're 3-5-1. and one. We have clearly um, underachieved our expectations and the thoughts that this team was going to win the division this year. My butt's worrying about myself, and i got to go out and play. There's eight games left in the season. I want to play. It's really fun to play professional football for a living. Is it hard? Yeah. But they pay us a lot of money to play a kid's game. And to me, I want my career to go on as long as I can. And I want to be in Indianapolis because I love this place. And so i got to go out and do me. And i got to go out and play. And 53 guys collectively, they have that attitude. they got to play inspired. But I don't think this team has played inspired at all this year especially not the last few games, especially not Sunday. And to me, again, when a coach gets fired, when things get shaken up, everybody's on notice. Jeff Saturday doesn't know those guys. They don't know Jeff Saturday. And so they're walking around and they're thinking, okay, I better perform here. 
or otherwise, again, my job is going to be on the line. And to me, that's why Mr. Ursay made this move. You bring in somebody completely different that really has no skin in the game prior to when he showed up in the building on Monday, somebody that's been there, experienced success, has a, a high you know, success and knows what a winning culture feels like, and kind of everybody should be on notice if that makes sense. That would be my view if I'm a player, that i got to do my job or I'm not going to be in this building next year, and I really want to be in this building because it's a lot of fun to play football in the NFL. Yeah, and it uh, looks like Shaquille Leonard going on the injured list, which uh, a lot of people suggest probably will be for the remainder of the season. And I'll be honest with you, whether or not it happened this week and there was this quote-unquote setback, he didn't look right coming back anyway. Did you see the same thing as I did? I mean, he didn't look even close to being what we saw, even as he was injured a year ago in that playmaking yeah. ability. I would agree. You know, he didn't have the same explosiveness. You know, he wasn't coming downhill as much, you know, in the run game. He obviously had the big interception, you know, a couple weeks back. But but he definitely didn't look like himself. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, long term, I'm sure for them, short and long, just get him healthy and back to the the maniac and, and the player that he was. I also think, you know, Zaire Franklin has played so well. That affords you that luxury a little bit, too. I mean, he's been a stud. I mean, he's been a, a really bright spot you know, in a season so far that probably has more dim. But, you know, I've been super impressed with Zaire. And uh, also, yeah, again, it's, it's something where he came back. And, yeah, I would agree. He just didn't look the same, didn't look the same explosive. It didn't look like the same guy feeling comfortable on tape. So I'm sure be interested to see, you know, is this a one-week thing, two-week? Does it, does it drag on into the season? You know, time will yeah. unfold and tell that story. All right. Joe, I appreciate you jumping on here. I hope uh, everything's good with Jill. And everybody's feeling better back up there. Thankfully, she's much tougher than I am. Uh, it reminds <laughs> me of a call we had. I don't know why it just came to mind, but we were going out to play Denver in the playoffs, and I was doing an interview, and we were all fired up. And I was inside sitting on the couch with my leg propped up, and she was out snow blowing the driveway. So there you go. So uh, thanks nice. for doing well. Appreciate <laughs> your, uh, your, your thoughts <laughs> and, and your text and, uh, you know, concern for her. I remember that. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend, and we'll chat again soon. All right. You guys have fun. Take care. Yeah, uh, friend of the show, Joe Wright's the former Colts offensive lineman on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Westside Pub Girls School in Morris on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I'm Jan V. Hagen is also here. Yes, I am. This is an interesting. Here comes the ice cold Bud Light. That's why I came, John. I don't even want to be on the show. Guys, take one of these. Hey, you're getting the first one right there. Thank well, you, man. I'm a guest. Can you talk and grab a Bud Light at the same I'm a, time? I'm a guest. Uh, I was there on Monday night. I was there on Wednesday. And you, you talk about so much change. It looked like in, a clown show on Monday night is what it looked like to me. I've never seen Jim Ursay that animated, you know, hitting the table, pounding the table. And it was clear yeah. he wasn't a fan of the analytics. You know, he wasn't a fan <laughs> of the... Let's go for it on well, fourth and one from the nine. It was equally clear that Chris Ballard wasn't a fan of anything that was happening at that moment at all. I was wondering if we'd see like a live on TV, like resignation, if he was just like, you yeah. know what, guys, I'll see you. Um, it, it is so interesting. And then I, I, I doubled down on Wednesday and I asked Jeff point blank. On, on Sunday and moving forward, are you the guy <laughs> making the decision yeah. on fourth? And, and he said he kind of echoed her say, I like points. I'm an offensive lineman. They're hard to get. I'm going to take the points. So you, you can tell there was some type of, uh, over the last few years, and you and I have talked about it before, and, and we're like old people as well, that so many times in games, I, I think back to a couple, might have been last year, the year before down in Jacksonville, you're up 7 nothing, you can kick a field goal, and you go up 10 nothing, 
Instead, you go for it on fourth and short, you get stuffed, and here come the Jags and score, you end up losing the game. I, I just think there's so many moments in the game where there's momentum, a chance to take points. It's hard to score in this league, especially for the Colts. When you look at them, are, are they still the lowest scoring team in the league at like uh, like 14 oh, points? Oh, they stink game? offensively. Yeah. Stink. A, a team like that. I think that, they stink worth, worse with Ellinger at quarterback, uh, yeah. too. And to me, here's the thing, and I know that the Colts are professionals and they're going to play hard and they want to win, but if you're a Colts fan, you want them to to go 1-7 and seven, or you want them to go 7-1. and one. You want to make some kind of miraculous push and make the playoffs, or you just don't want to you, you don't want to go – Three and five, four and four. You know what I'm saying, John? And you ended up there with like a the 12 overall pick. Yeah. You want to have a top five pick. And, you know, we always talk about games with playoff implications. Now, you can do the the inverse of that. You have games with uh, draft implications. Last night, for example, Carolina gets a win. That's good for the Colts. You like to see yeah. Carolina. This Sunday, uh, draft pick implications against a team that, you know, you'll be in the same kind of position you get tiebreaker and and beat that that Raiders team. Well, now they're pretty much going to be drafting ahead of you as well. I'm not sure, and they sure. may end up draft a quarterback yeah, the, too because I, apparently getting out of Derek Carr's contract is not as right. difficult as people presume it to be. So it, it is is interesting, and I'm I'm with you. I heard your uh, preamble to the Constitution as a, that's why I time myself to get here when I do, so I can listen to you on the radio and not have to sit here and watch you do it in person. But you, you have some That's a little well, off-putting right thank there. You. Thanks. You had some very well-thought-out you know, statements. And this is one of those things where let's just go out there and win so all these national media you know, can, can shove it for once. Oh, I, I picked against him, but yeah. I'm, I'm sick of the jackassery you, at this You point. heard on Thursday Night Football, even Al Michaels. I love Al Michaels, but he was kind of like, well, what do, you, <laughs> what do you make of this? And in, like, he, you could tell he was like, <laughs> that's not a good move. Uh, it's unprecedented. Jeff Saturday is a guy that will inspire you. I, th- I thought there was a certain local uh, writer for the newspaper that I thought Saturday was going to come over the table and, and throw down to the ground, which was awesome. Was he going to beat the hell out of Greg Doyle? <laughs> is that who it was? <laughs> I'm not here to name names. Uh, but it, What did it, Greg Doyle do that pissed him off? He was, was kind of challenging him on his story about where did you, where were uh, you at Tark's Ring of Honor game? Where did you watch that game? You were in a suite? Whose suite were you in? And this didn't come up. You didn't say one. And so Saturday to kind of – he said something to the effect of, I'm going to look you in the eye and tell you right now. They're like, you know, I'm not BSing you. I'm telling you what, this is what happened. So uh, th- I thought that was great. And, and to Doyle's credit, he's always a guy that's going to challenge people and not just take, you know, an answer at face value. So those were two kind of alpha dogs going nose to nose, which is always cool. Uh, but I, I think you look at the Raiders and, and they're missing a couple of their studs on offense. I think one thing, if you're a gambling person, Eight of the Colts' nine games have yeah. gone under. Eight of nine have gone under. You look at this offense, you got a first-time uh, interim head coach that's never coached in the NFL. You got a 30-year-old kid, uh, shout-out Mississippi, Parks and Recreation, Frazier, calling mm-hmm. plays for the first time. That will be a different dynamic. And you got a quarterback making just his third career start on the road. I don't think that is a recipe for a ton of points. I don't think the Raiders are going to put up a ton of points. The Colts' defense, uh, despite the lack of Shaquille uh, Leonard, they've been playing winning football. So I think if you just want to enjoy this game, you bet on the under and sit there and root against both the offenses. And I think that's going to come home for you. Hey, that's Hagan. I'm JMV. Westside Pub. Join us here. Bud Light Blue Friday. A couple of pair of Eagles cold stickers to give away. Joe Childers in the house, too. Joe, the truck just went over 300K. We celebrated 300K this morning on the truck. And a lot of that is due to Joe Childers and CarX and the 14 Central Indiana Carx location. Speaking of that, we'll come back on the other side with Bob Lovell. It's a regional final Friday night in high school football. 
Bob's going to update us on all those games. That and more. Mike Wells, Don Fisher, Paul Casaro. More of me, Hagan, and you at 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, we got you there. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Thank you so much for listening. And joining us, by the way, on a Bud Light Blue Friday, Morrison Girls School West Side Pub. Great place. Stop in. We got a couple of pair of Eagles Colts tickets to give away. Well, stop of the hour of ESPN Radio. Paul Casaro, UND, starts their basketball season coming up later on tonight. We'll talk to Paul about that. And voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Of course, uh, IU. And Ohio State, we'll probably talk a little bit more about IU basketball, if you don't mind. IU basketball big over Bethune-Cookman last night. Voice of the Hoosiers joins us in the 5 o'clock hour. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, as he's brought to you by every single Friday with the high school football report, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk is with us. And by the way, CarX brings Bob to you. And until Monday, because Joe Childers is here right now, uh, the veterans, you get $15 oil changes right now. Through Monday at the 14 Central Indiana Car X locations, as we and rightly so celebrate our veterans out there on Veterans Day. But Bob Lovell joins us now. It's quite a regional final Friday night, and it's it appears that weatherwise it's kind of sinking into <laughs> dramatic football weather in the state of Indiana, Bob. Tonight, yeah, we've avoided uh, this until now, and. Um... You know, the understatement of the day is all of these are great games because uh, you, you've won Yes, uh, you've won and beaten good teams to get where you are. And so, uh, yeah, there's some really, really tremendous matchups around the state tonight, John. All right, where do you want to start? My man Zach's heading down to CG. CG and Warren, part two, when it really, truly matters in a one-and-done situation. What do you like about it? I like the fact that uh, both teams have, have gotten better and better. I mean, it's a Warren Central team that really has, I, I think, uh, just progressively gotten better all year long. And it's a center Grove team that everyone knows is on a tremendous roll over the last three years or so. Uh, and they're hard to play at home. This is a game about playmakers, and both teams have them. And uh, can the center Grove defense, can they stop um, some explosive players on the – Warren Central offense, and similarly, can Warren, you know, do enough to uh, get the ball back defensively and not allow Center Grove to run some clock on them. So, it's a great matchup. It's been a tremendous rivalry. It has turned into be a, a great rivalry, and um, should be, you know, it's a state final type of uh, game in terms of caliber of play. Quite frankly, hey Bob, you got Cathedral and Brownsburg, a pair of one lost teams. In fact, the one loss on the season for Cathedral right. was at Brownsburg going back early in the season. What are we looking at from over in Hendricks County tonight? A, a great game. <laughs> a tremendous game. Quarterbacks who can make plays. You know, Danny O'Neill, you know, has gotten a lot of uh, reaction. Brownsburg's quarterback is tremendous. Both teams feature some really solid playmaking kinds of guys. Um, I think everyone, you know, points to the fact of how hard it is to beat a team twice. I think that's that that is true, but that game was so long ago, um, and both teams have have gotten much much better than when they played the first time. 
you talk about a game that, quite frankly, could be a, a state championship game. This is truly one that is. I have no idea who gets the edge. I, I really don't. It's just it's one of those, if you get the chance to watch it in person, I think you're going to be treated to a tremendous night. Bob, last year's 6A runner-up was Westfield at 8-3 and this season, back in another regional final against the unbeaten Hamilton Southeastern squad that has rolled through 11 games so far this year in what is one of the more, if not the most, fantastic game we see on tonight's schedule. You know, John, the story of both teams is really interesting. I mean, Mike Kelly's done a fantastic job at HSE. I mean, he really, really has. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're number one, been ranked number one, have played well. Uh, Jake Gilbert, uh, if there's a coach of the year, it ought to be Jake because his teams have played for championships the last three years, uh, the last two years, frankly, and he lost a lot off this team. He's very young with this group. It's an experienced HSE team uh, that, that has, you know, no real weaknesses to speak of. And the things I said about uh, Cathedral Brownsburg say the same things about this matchup. But it is a, a team, and even though Westfield's young at spots, they haven't played that way. And so you, you just wonder if HSE is going to be able to exploit some of that tonight. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, is going to have it all for you coming up later on this evening. All right, Ron Colley, new pal. That's a Southside matchup for real. If there is a game that everybody may be across the state talking about, you might zero in just off of McFarland coming up later on this evening, right? That's it? Uh, no, that if, if you had to pick, uh, well, it's hard to pick a game, but that's right. as good as any. There's no question. These are two heavyweights, so to speak. New pal uh, has been number one. Uh, they're tremendously talented, well-drilled. Eric Quintana has done a tremendous job in his first year at Ron Colley. Ron Colley's Ron Colley. New pal's new pal. <laughs> These teams, um, again, I just think it's one of those too close to call kind of games. And these types of games invariably turn out to be ones who you know, take advantage of opportunities, don't turn the ball over, don't give up big plays. And when you have an opportunity to score, you need to take advantage of it. And so, these are two storied programs. When you look at the championships in their respective classes, their names are on there a lot of times. And so, uh, again, when I go back to the uh, state championship caliber matchup, this clearly is one. So Bob Lovell joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline every Friday brought to you by CarX and your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations in 3A, Chittard, and Yorktown. you got Monrovia. They're 5-7. and seven. There's nothing impressive about that, but their run, once we got into the one-and-done portion of the season, has been impressive. And in large part, given where they've been unbeaten not too far back, Owen Valley, the Patriots down in Spencer hosting Monrovia tonight, they are 12-0 and on the season. What a season to date for the Patriots. Well, it has been, John, and the thing about them is they've been this way the entire year. Uh, this is... They expected to be good. They had high expectations, obviously, for this group. It's a, a veteran group, and they just started to put together win after win after win, and they've beaten some really good teams to get where they are. I mean, the story of Monrovia, it's that classic getting hot at the right time story. And it's, it's neat for the kids, neat for the coaches and the community. They're out there playing for a regional championship. And, you know, a month ago, I'm not sure anyone would have thought that was possible. So, 
you got a team that's playing with house money up against a team that's really, really good and capable of winning a, a championship in 3A. So uh, there are a lot of things going on in this game. Hey, Bob, we've got LaPel. So I gather they're going across on the other side of the White River in Greene County coming up later on tonight versus 12-0 and Linton in 2A. There you go. Uh, Linton Stockton uh, has – they're really good, John. I mean, really, really good. Number yeah, one are. for a while. Uh, tremendously talented group of guys. Uh, it's a lapel team. Give them credit. They've beaten the teams they had to beat. It's a good matchup. Travel's an issue. Uh, as you well know, I'm not exactly sure how you make that trip, to be honest. <laughs> You're going to be on the highway. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. You go right now. You go, well, that's, I mean, you go 69 to Bloomington, I guess, and then go 45 to 54. That's in your the leading grace, yeah, yeah. 69. But yeah. It's, a long, it's a long trip, and you, you're asking a lot of a group. Uh, number one, they're playing a very, very – Monroe, excuse me, um, LaPel's playing a very, very good team at, at their place, which is always important. And you have such a, a long bus ride. I think we all understand what that's about. And so uh, that's a tall, tall uh, task for Linton uh, against a, a Linton, a, uh, excuse me, against a LaPel team. The Linton Stockton team is for real and clearly capable of winning uh, the two-way championship. Hey, Bob, a little advice for my friends from LaPel driving down there, especially if you're going 69 to, to 231. Uh, a lot of my hillbilly friends are running around chasing deer with shotguns and bows and arrows right now, <laughs> so they're running all over the place. All right? Be careful. Wear an orange reflector on your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just yeah, be yeah, yeah. be be locked, be locked in, especially if you're on I-69, because I still don't think a lot of those deer being chased by my hillbilly friends uh, are are really too uh, dialed in with the fact that 69 is there. So be careful, no doubt I about think that. You're right. To and yeah. from. All right, in Class A, you got Lutheran and Providence. You got North Decatur and Sheridan, North Judson and Park Tudor. All of local interest as well. It should be a great night, Bob. No question. It's a great story for Park Tudor to be in this position. Lutheran is the you know defending champ. They're really really good. Providence is you know just on a, a great run. And so, you know, John, I always say it. You know, get out there and support the kids in your community because it's a great night. Uh, bundle up uh, because it's uh, it's it's really football weather tonight. My friends at Lapel have a hellaciously awesome time in GC tonight. <laughs> and re- remember to come back. Remember, yeah, you, when you, you see need- that sign that says you'll like Linton, that's debatable. <laughs> you got to give them some, uh, some advice on post-game, uh, post-game opportunities. <laughs> ah, yeah, I got it right here. I mean, you're driving back up. Just go back up 54, park on the square in Bloomfield, and go into Aggie's Funhouse. There that's it is. what you do. So... Yep, go into Aggie's Funhouse, and you'll come out smelling like a carton of lit cigarettes, but it'll be a good night for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll be listening tonight well, tomorrow night, Bob. Thank thanks, you. John. I appreciate it's, uh, it. Bob thanks. Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. Great deals for you veterans going on all weekend until Monday in honor of Veterans Day today. It's your 14 Central Indiana Car X, Joe Childers Run, locations, Westside Pub, Girls School, and Morris on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Jeremiah is in the house as well. So is Chris Hagan. Anything you want to add before I hit a break here? 
I'm I'm just excited to be here, John. You do look very excited. You sound like you got up literally 45 minutes ago. I got up at the crack of one today. At the crack of one? Yeah. yeah. So I'm good. So you, and, uh, you and Jim Mercer kind of keep the same hours. I know. They were talking like that was weird. Yeah. I was like, that, that sounds about right. And a lot of times I'll be on Twitter and I'll see he'll tweet something, you know, 2.30 in the morning. And oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be the first one to be able to, to get a reply or like on it. And I, I just feel like we're on the same, you know, internal clock in that regard. That's why I'm I'm lucky. I have a job where I I work till like eleven thirty or midnight. He um he keeps kind of the same hours like your brother Scott Jones. <laughs> exactly, my half <laughs> my half brother Scott Jones. It is funny sometimes I'll be your out brother. in public and people will say, "Hey, I watch you every morning, Scott," and I'll be like, "All right, that's awesome." So I got to be called Scott Jones or J. Would you rather be Would you rather be mistaken for me or Scott Jones? Scott Jones looks like Ralph Mal from Happy Days. Uh, Donnie Most is his, Donnie uh, Most. his name. Mouth, mouth. It is funny. It's, well, you got to remember, like, if people see you and recognize you, they only have a split second to say your name. Yeah. So I've had everything yelled out at me. But most most uh, likely I'm called JMV, and so usually I shoot him a bird and walk away. Melissa's here with Jeremiah, too, so I didn't see you over there, Melissa from Avon. Quick break. We'll come back. Eagles Colts tickets to give away on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Westside Pub, 93.5107. Five the fam. The Ride with JMV. Ahoy, Ploy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Again, live from the Westside Pub on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Join us here. Of ESPN Radio, it's Mike Wells. Mike, would you like to join in? Playing the kissing game. This was a Hagen selection right here, Mike. High five in the kissing game. Reason being, tomorrow night's JMV takeover is six hours of the 1990s all request. What do you think about that? Man, I know we discussed this in the past. Yeah. I think the 90s, it was the best decade ever. I mean, we were all born in the, we were all born between the 70s. Uh, in the 70s, I think the 90s, from a music standpoint, television standpoint, movie standpoint, was the best decade. So best I am de- all in favor if you're rolling with the 90s on a JMV takeover tomorrow night. All right. You bring up a great question. I'm going to put it out there to everybody. Not a Connecticut water question of the day, but kind of here. If we were going to choose from the 2000s, from 2000 to 2010, from the 90s, the 80s, or the 70s. I think most of us probably had some decent form of non-responsible living in one of those decades. Mike, clearly you go with the 1990s. Hagen, where do you go? I think a lot of it depends on like when you were at a certain age. But for me, Wells, once you threw in the movies and TV along with I could I could kind of like give you some cred on the music of the 90s. But when you add in movies and TV... It's 80s, 80s has it. Man, listen, just because you're the grandpa of this group, of the three of us on the air right now, hey, again, and you, want, and you want to be Risky I, business, I, 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 fast times at Ridgemont High. I'm not talking about everything, too, not just. That's what I'm saying. Well yeah. said when he said if, if you include right. movies and TV, 
that's when he said the 90s was the best. So that's when I think the 80s and 90s could go head to head music wise. But if you add in the other pop culture stuff, I would say 80s. I would see I'd go back to the 70s because I was too little to know what was going on there. But I'm, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I'd love to find out and go back what was going on there. Because <laughs> it looked like there was a hell of a lot of fun, very unresponsible level of fun going back in the 1970s. So I'm going with that. Man, I, I think we all got an argument. I think the music-wise 90s, I think movies-wise, you can roll. I, get, I, go, I can go to the 80s. I mean, you, we talk about Risky Business, Top Gun, Karate Kid. Revenge of the Nerds, when you finally saw some boobies and everything, on Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, the 70s had some good stuff. 90s, tele- 90s television-wise, I mean, Family Matters, Family Matters, uh, Different World. I mean, it, it just, it, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three decades. 70s, 80s, and 90s, I don't remember the 70s. I was born in 77, but I had some great movies in the 80s. 90s, I was out there, you know, that's my baby-making music rolled in the 90s. I was getting my my stamina in a different way in the 90s, if you know what I'm saying. So it is a win-win-win. Hey, I I guess what's interesting here is nobody's going to pick the 2000s because it's really boring and we're way too responsible and they've really sucked, right? It's correct. Nobody's going to pick the 2000s. JMV, what's funny is you said you wish you knew what was going on in the 70s. When that song Afternoon Delight came oh, out, I yeah. thought it was about ice cream. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Some Afternoon Delight. I was like, that's great. I want some Afternoon Delight. Then you, you get older. Hey, you Mom, hear can I get some Afternoon Delight? <laughs> then you, you get older and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike, we'll get to football here. Brownsburg Cathedral, you going to be there tonight? Man, I'm going to be in the house. Layla, Miss Miss Layla um, is will be in the house. I invited Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen is a cathedral grad. He could be. I was, he was going to be my special guest on the sidelines at Brownsburg tonight. But Bowen ran away with his tail between his legs and didn't want to come out to Brownsburg for that Brownsburg Cathedral game. Listen, it could be Brownsburg and Center Grove next Friday in Brownsburg. If that's the case, I want to invite you and Miss Laney. Invite, I want to invite uh-huh. the hot shots out to Brownsburg next Friday if Brownsburg beats Cathedral tonight and Center Grove uh, handles their business. The Hot Shots would love that. I believe we're on the schedule. I've got to miss game two on Sunday because the CGers play the uh, Brownsburgers, but I've got the Colts pregame huddle. I'm going to miss the game on Sunday too, man. I I got a – We suck. Why why do we suck so bad? Ah. Well, see, see, here's the thing. You got to – I think I'm going to win this battle though, Jay. Uh, My son plays – at Brownsburg High School at 1 o'clock on Sunday, while uh, Miss Layla and Miss Laney yeah. play uh, Brownsburg at Center Grove at 12 o'clock at Franklin High School. And you get yep. the short end of the straw because you got to do a pregame show for a franchise that is flat out dysfunctional right now. So you right, let me tell you this. We have the yeah. worst yeah. end of that. And while and I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you talk about this right now too. And and while I I agree that this has been a mess. I, I've had enough. As of this morning, when you get a guy like Joe Thomas coming on and talking about how gre- an egregious decision this was, there's nothing nothing egregious about Jeff Saturday as an interim head coach. Now, it could be inaccurate, wrong, uh, misguided. There are a lot of other ways you can describe it, but you know the most egregious thing that's happened in the NFL that he has seen that's a joke. I am tired of that level of hyperbole. 
And while I've picked the Colts to lose on Sunday, I think rightly so, I hope they don't so they can kind of shove it up the rear end of everybody. And if that's me included because of my high level of criticism this week, then so be it. I just, I had a, a really, I, I had a level, a ceiling doubt on stuff, the hyperbole and the garbage that I heard this morning. Tired of it. Man, I didn't even realize Joe Thomas was doing television. And so I think Zach Keeper tweeted out the link. And he's going on he's going on a rant about what happened, what is going on in Indianapolis, that what Ursay hired is what, quote-unquote, drinking buddy as um, – the head coach, yes, I think this, this organization is – this is the lowest I've seen this organization since I've lived in Indianapolis, since I'm with Indianapolis in January of 2005, um, even even lower than the um, the Andrew Luck retirement because that's not the Colts' fault. They didn't see Andrew Luck retiring. But you're, you're right. The, the, the amount of comments and, you know, people make you know, you know, going off and saying this and that and stuff, it's comical. Do I think – do I think the Colts are going to win another game this season? They may win one, maybe two games the rest of the season if Sam Allinger's the starting quarterback. The rest of the way, it's great to see Matt Ryan is going to be the backup, which means there's a chance he can get some snaps again. But I will say this, um, I, and I hope that you guys agree, I, I do believe the Colts are kind of a laughing stock right now. No, there's no doubt. Well, listen, I'm not suggesting that any of this is going to be a good decision. Because to me, Jeff Saturday is going to have a job at the end of the year anyway with something here. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought Monday Night Mike was was more of a performance. It was almost like an in-living color skit. Um, but to call it the most egregious thing that you have seen, I, I kind of hope it works. So then all of a sudden now, because you know this in covering the league, Mike, that everybody, if this does happen to work, if there's a snowball's chance in hell it does, this may all of a sudden – you know, may, people may start in the NFL to turn to that, that unconventional way. But I just the, – the hyperbole involved in the description of it at the end of the week on these morning scream-at-one-another shows, I'm tired of. And I'd like to see the Colts step up and do something about it. I don't think they will. I don't think they're capable of it. But I'd like to see it. Yeah, it, it, it would be – it would be kind of, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to say this from a, a, a bias standpoint. You know, I didn't cover Jeff Saturday when he played for the Colts. Um, I, I I developed a relationship with Saturday when he started working at ESPN. He was a great sounding board for stories that I was working on and everything. Um, so I know him personally. And it would be comical if they went into Vegas and beat a, another franchise that is not only dealing with a bunch of injuries, but, you know, you know basically you know, shoved their foot up Josh McDaniel's rear end. And, and, and beat, beat the Las Vegas Raiders, I think it would help turn the storyline around a little bit momentarily. But with that said, just the way the schedule goes and the fact that they haven't even played the best part, of, the toughest part of the schedule yet, it's going to be very tough for Indianapolis to have much success the rest of the season. You know, they may beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. Goodness gracious, if I'm the NFL, I'm like, God, we have the we have the Indianapolis Colts on three more primetime games. We got them on Pittsburgh, Dallas, and then the Chargers. They're, they should be one to flex out these three the Colts out of, out of these primetime games just because where's the hope at? I mean, you know, 
Uh, a number of people are saying, you know, led by Mike Chappell, Darius Leonard's going on the injured reserve right now. It, it is just there. Uh, do you guys see any bright side to this team the rest of the season outside of getting a high draft pick and maybe getting a quarterback finally? Well, here's what I think, Wells. And yeah, you're right. I, I think for sure. I mean, I know the Cowboys are a national draw, but I think for sure they flex that primetime Sunday night game Colts at Cowboys. I don't see how they put that on TV, but um, I think what you've done here is the Boo Birds were starting to grow at home for Frank Reich and this team. And I think what you have in Jeff Saturday is a guy who's kind of boo-proof. He's a, a fan favorite. He's in the ring of honor. So they're going to say, hey, you know, Jeff's our guy. He's doing our best. And what do we have, like, only like four more home games? I don't think they're going to boo Jeff Saturday off the field like maybe they would have booed Frank off the field. So I think that's one thing as far as a – cosmetic PR look. Um, But my question to you is, I don't know if you watched that whole thing on Monday night. It got pushed back to like after 8 o'clock and we're out there. I was wondering, as I often do, in in a situation like this, what would Mike Wells have been asking uh, to to Ballard or to to, um, Jim? What were some of the things, you know, if, if you were watching or not watching, things that came to your mind that you would have maybe asked that other people didn't? Well, first off, I'm I'm glad the press conference got pushed back. I was at Hinkle Fieldhouse watching the Butler Bulldogs uh, put in some work, and so the longer it got pushed back, it allowed me to be able to um, catch the press conference. But I and, and I sent Kevin Bowen a text on this. Um, I thought he asked, you know, a, a great question: Is all right, you, you got rid of Frank Reich, so. Where does Chris Ballard stand in all this? Because the reality is, yes, from a, from a coaching standpoint, Frank didn't get the job done. But Ballard was the one who decided not to address the offensive line, the left tackle position. Ballard is the one who put this roster together, a roster that is completely underwhelming. And, when, and I mean that on the offensive side of the ball. I can't knock what Gus Browning and that defense is doing. But from an offensive standpoint, what is going on? And then every time Jim Irsay laughed, when you guys ask the question, I'm like, I'm like, what is so funny, Jim? I mean, your franchise is, you know, borderline rock bottom, and you're living in the past. So I'm a, we have the fourth best winning percentage or whatever it is since 2000. Nobody cares about the past. And I think Ursay and the Colts have tried to live on the past of, like, bringing in Jeff Saturday, trying to get people to say, okay, Jeff was a great center. They lived in the past of guys, quarterbacks, who are past their prime, bringing in, yes, uh, Philip Rivers led them to the playoffs, but Matt Ryan is clearly on a downhill part of his of his career. What is the direction of this franchise? Uh, uh, are you try, trying to go to? What do you? What message are you trying to send the people out here? Those, I would have been pepper, er, peppering Ursay because everybody forgets he's the one who says, "Oh, we can win multiple Lombardis this decade. Get the hell out of here! They they, they can't. They're not going to win multiple division titles this decade." They may not win one division title this decade, but forget talking about multiple Lombardies. That's when you when you when you start learning the word quarantile or whatever the upper quarantile of the quarantile. Yeah. Anything you can you can go back in time and make anything put a positive spin on anything. You know you can say, hey, we've won two in a row at something, but maybe you lost the eighteen before that. So. You, you, like you said, Wells, you go back to 2000 and you say, hey, we're in the upper quarantile, whatever, but back, you haven't even won a division since 2014. You know, you, you can't go down, you can't win at Jacksonville. You can't go down there and beat the Texans. Granted, you you, you snuck a tie out of that thing, but it, it is, 
it is kind of a thing where, you know, what have you done for me lately? You're not an elite team in the AFC, not an elite team in your division. Uh, that's been wrestled away from you. So instead of looking back, I think they need to be looking forward. And I think that may include uh, you, you say goodbye to Chris Ballard, although he said it more than once that, that Ballard is safe and secure. But as we know, things are very fluid, uh, especially with this Colts franchise right now. Hey, did you make a mention they haven't they they haven't won a division title since um tw- since since the year they got to the AFC Championship game. Right. They've won one playoff game, one playoff game since winning the division title in 2014. This franchise, there's nothing to be proud about right now with the Indianapolis Colts. And you know, you know, people say, well, yeah, Chris Ballard. You know, Jim Mercy said Chris Ballard um is safe. Yeah, yeah, he he told Chris Mortensen. So we go to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard is safe. Frank Reich right now, according to our good guy, our guy Chap, is down hanging out with his family in North Carolina. He's probably at ease right now because the reality is, think about this. Jim Irsay has basically cut the onions off of Frank, uh, Chris Ballard. You saw it in Chris's body. You saw it in Chris's body language on, the, on during the press conference. You looked at anybody who watched our press conference. Chris Ballard wanted to be anywhere but there. At what nine o'clock or eight thirty at night on Monday night, he, the control is all about uh, what, what Jim Irsay is saying. Now Irsay has been a hands-off owner, but now it is strictly um, Jim Irsay running the show for that franchise for the most part. Somebody, uh, excuse me, uh, Mike Wells joins us of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Somebody had had told me from over there that uh, digitally speaking. They have all these pictures, right? A picture gallery they normally put on Colts.com of that press conference, but they did it with the Ballard ones because Ballard looked the way Ballard looked at that. And you could tell. There's no doubt. And, and to me it was more, and I'm sure you guys agree with me, it was more about the decision that he absolutely didn't agree with uh, and the call coming from over his head. And there is there is no question at all that, I'd be shocked if Chris Ballard remains, as Jim Irsay said on Monday, with his team after the season ends. So, so why, why, in, in your eyes, just more so, what gives you in, in the case? Just because of the lack of success and the, how the moves haven't panned out, how Ballard looks? What, what, well, what makes you think I, that, okay? I, well, because I, I think that there is a huge possibility that Jeff Saturday, whom I think has a gig in that organization regardless after the year, may not end up being the head coach, but may end up being or running player personnel or guiding the team. To me, that's almost yeah. more of a possibility than him remaining the head coach. And, and you know, it's a two-way street. Ballard could leave of his own volition. He can just yeah. say, you know what, I don't like the way this is going. I'll see you later. I can find the job somewhere else in this league doing something else. So just because maybe they want to keep him around doesn't mean he, ne- he would want to stay. I mean, because it could come with some stipulation if he were, you know, let's just assume that in Jim Mercy's mind that Chris Ballard is going to be the general manager. Come once that once that meeting comes on that Monday after the season ends, Jersey can come in with some stipulation on how it's done, or says, "Hey, I want I want um, you to hire. We're going to hire Jeff Saturday. He's going to replace Ed Dodds or Morocco Brown or whoever." But, but Jeff has, and as John mentioned. 
some type of role in his organization, and it's a role in the front office. And Chris Ballard can say, nah, that's not, that's not for me. That's just not my thing. And it, it, it's, it's a damn shame because what Chris Ballard did was he did everything he said. He took care of those guys who, those, you know, first and second round draft picks on the offensive line, gave them that second contract, which, which they, they earned. You know, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith earned those lucrative second contracts. What has happened is those three guys have failed Chris Ballard and made Chris Ballard look bad because they're not living yeah. up to that second contract. They're not, they're, not, they're not playing at a high level. I'm not giving Ballard a free pass because going to get, you know, trying to plug in Eric Fisher at left tackle after the Anthony Costando, Costando retired, and, and his, the prior experiment has been an utter disaster. He, Ballard does not get a pass for that left tackle spot. But those guys who he gave those contracts to, Pro Bowl players, they haven't played well. I mean, those guys asked questions earlier this season on if Ryan Kelly was going to lose his starting job. Quentin Nelson, he he's not out there, um, he's not out there pancaking anybody and giving 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 their eyeballs to look at the sack or anything anymore. He's out there getting steamrolled. I mean, you know, now it doesn't look like taking, um, you know, Quentin Nelson so high in the draft in 2018 was a great move. Braden Smith's going right tackle, right guard, put him in a damn position. Why is the offensive line coach still on the staff? You're firing people, but the old line coach is still on staff. So I think from that standpoint, the players have failed Ballard more than Ballard failed them. I, I uh, And Mike Wells joins us. There's no doubt about that. And with the failure of that main position, the offensive line with this team, that is the by far largest reason as to why this team is one of the, if not the most disappointing team in the NFL this year and are 3-5-1 and one and are in absolute disarray. It's because of that offensive line failure. That has led us all down this path with this team. That's on the shoulders of Chris Ballard. And much like Frank Reich was, that's what he needs and what I believe he will be held accountable for. Yeah, and listen, you, you throw in you throw in the um you throw in the uh the fact that um I know Jonathan Taylor's been dealing with the ankle injury and everything, but even without the ink, when he has played, has anybody mentioned the name Jonathan Taylor this season? He hasn't had much success because the old line hasn't been able to block for him. And one of the reasons Matt Ryan was supposed to have, have some success here is that they were going to have a running game and make it easy on him and when, he, when he had to throw the football. Instead, all Matt Ryan's been doing this year is been getting sacked and turning the ball over. Sam Ellinger comes in. I mean, I, I was uh, – I was down in Franklin last weekend, and so I didn't, I didn't see much of the game. And I looked at the box score on ESPN.com and saw that Sam Ellinger had been sacked nine times. I was like, was that the Jacksonville Jaguars going after Jacoby Brissett again, like in 2017? What the, what the hell is going on with this old line? You know what's unfortunate, Wells, covering the NFL and just watching the NFL as long as you have. Every year there's the preseason prognosticators and picks, but then at the end of the year there's always one team – that was supposed to be really crappy and turned out to be really good. And there's always a team that was supposed to be really good that turns out to be really crappy. And unfortunately, that year, everybody, you're pointing a finger at the Colts for being that team that was hyped up, supposed to win that division, supposed to be a contender in the AFC. And I've seen some power rankings out this week that has the Colts dead last. Then you see other teams like the Giants. You see teams like the Jets that are going out there and doing better than they were expected. It happens every year, but you hope your team's not on that spectrum where they're one of the ones – that are supposed to be first, and it turns out they're more like the worst. 
Yeah, they are. And let's, you know, I've never been asked hit up more than 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 uh, the way I have in the past couple of weeks from Matt Ryan being benched, Marcus Brady being fired, to Frank Wright being fired. They're like, hey, uh, man, don't you wish your camera? I'm like, oh, hell no. I got my bucket of popcorn, and I'm just <laughs> watching this. I'm sitting back and watching this, and I, I feel I feel for uh, the B-Biters because it, it's like a hamster wheel with them. It is the same thing over and over every single year, the same thing over and over again. Let me ask this is a question I've been waiting, I've been holding on all week to ask um, both of you because I knew Hagen would be sitting in to, to, uh, on the show today. Outside of 2019, when Luck retired, is this the worst season that this franchise has had in the past 20 years? And I'll give you my response, my thoughts in a second. I would say unexpectedly so. They they had a crap season in 2011 when Manning didn't play and he was hurt, but that made sense. You're like, oh, they lost a Hall of Fame quarterback. That makes sense. This season, it, it makes no sense, and it's the worst I've seen. And you, you made a point there when you listed the things about, uh, you know, Ryan benched, Brady fired, Frank fired. Go back a week or two before that when, to me, that was strange – all of a sudden, they slide Ellinger up the depth chart. They slide him up to second over Foles, which then makes it a couple weeks later you slide him. So that, that to me, was the first thing that got my radar raised. Like, well, why are they – they brought in Foles. Why is he – why is Ellinger now better than he is? Well, so, because the, uh, the owner's meddling. Right, right. That, the that's the first little, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. That was the first embers you could see about, wow, so – Everybody remembers these last three big moves, but the one that was the first one where the dominoes started falling. But yeah, to answer your question, Wells, the most disappointing season as far as being hyped up and supposed See, to be something special. That this is my twenty-fourth season covering the team, and for sure that hit that hit home. Hey, Mike, really quick here. This season, because of the way that they played, this has kind of become who they are. I think the off-the-field stuff makes it a circus. The the meddling of the owner has made it a circus. But for me. The end of last season is far more disappointing because you had played yourself into a role on Christmas night and you completely crapped the bed at home and then on the road against Jacksonville to embarrass yourself beyond belief to get bounced out of the postseason. For me, at the end of the season was worse than this. We're just kind of seeing, unfortunately, this real Colts team and especially the real Colts offensive team right now, which is leading them, I think, we would think down a blueprint path, you know, to make a, a selection of some quarterback here, hopefully for them high on this draft. And just remember, you're, you're, those last two yeah. games were disappointing last year, but the season as a whole had some high points. We're only halfway through this season. Think about what all we have in store to see. I mean, last year was just kind of pulling the rug out from under you. You're used to it by now. You know what I mean? When they lost the commanders at home, that's when this season, I think, as far as postseason – Ended. I mean, people just thought, okay, they're done. And the Cathedral grad, Terry hey. McLaurin, get Frank Reich fired. If he doesn't catch that long bomb yeah. and Washington wins that game, they're fr- probably not hey, firing uh, Frank for a loss in New England. Hey, I'll say this because I, I know I know we got I got to get ready. You guys got to get ready to kick me off and stuff. But I didn't think anything was going to top 2015 when with Ryan with Grigson and Pagano fighting each other, Andrew yeah. Luck dealing with the lacerated kidney, Pep Hamilton getting fired. Uh, getting fired halfway through the season. This one has topped it. And, Hagan, I think for the first time ever, I'm going to agree with you. You made a great point. We are only at the halfway point of the season. 
and there's still a lot of poo-poo ahead in the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> 2022 season. And, and, and what is going on is they're, they're, they're horrible bootleg midnight uh, can't turn off the TV horror show is, is, is surpassing what's going on on Pennsylvania shoot with the Pacers. The Pacers not, may not win a lot of games, but they are so much more fun to win. And I'll end on this note. Shout out to my man, Tucker Barnhart. Our guy, Tucker, is listening to us right now, Jay and Hagan. I know and he is. Him to finally, and finally calls him to return my text message from 24 hours ago and stuff. Hey, so he, he, may, he, may end up, he may end up back in a familiar place. You never know, if you know what I mean here. But, Ooh, hey, hey, give a shout out to 33, would you? Give some love to 33 oh, for doing some work. Hey, Come prop, on. Prop, props to Miles Turner. And I want to apologize to the Brownsburg 7th grade Purple Girls and the Center Grove 7th Girls that JMV and I will not be in the gym at Franklin High School on Sunday afternoon for the, for the battle that is going to happen between the two schools. But, hey, we'll be there at some point. At least it's not at Brownsburg. The last time I was in that gym, somebody threw me out of there. So, <laughs> long overdue. <laughs> All right, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, talk to y'all. I tell Layla we said hello. That's uh, that's the uh, lovely Layla's father right there, Mike Wells on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hagen JMV Westside Pub Bud Light Blue Friday. A shout out to Barry for having us here too, and our friends at Zinc Distributing for bringing us to you. Got a couple of pair of Eagles Colts tickets to give away. Don Fisher coming up after five. Paul Casaro, the head coach of UND, and a lot more. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This is the Westside Pub Morris and Girls School, a staple on the West Side. My man Barry gets it done over here. Great food. Ice cold Bud Light. Thank you, Zinc. Shout out to Jim and the gang, too. I know a lot of them are heading out to Vegas coming up tomorrow, too, for the Colts and the Raiders on Sunday. Always great. My man Matt's here. I mentioned Jeremiah, Melissa in the house. Got a lot of good folks. I see Ross lurking over there, too. A lot of good folks here. Now, obviously, we're talking about Week 10 of the NFL with the Colts in mind. You've got IU last night over Bethune-Cookman. If the Boilermakers in action, you've got college football this weekend you got the Pacers and the Raptors on Saturday evening at Gambridge Fieldhouse. But on the south side, you got an opener. Got an opener with my good friend, the head coach of UND, the Greyhounds. It is Paul Casaro via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Are you going to talk to me on a game day? Is this true? Yes. And that's awesome. Make time. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I, mean, I thought you would be like getting everything done and maybe just throw Burris on here with me. No, actually, I told Burris, you know, if we have a good conversation, I might just come to radio with you, and he can coach the team. <laughs> uh, so night number one coming up later on this evening versus Ohio Dominican, correct? Yeah, we're fired up. Um, Ohio Dominican, they're, they're uh, from the uh, great Midwest, Midwest Athletics Conference, the GMAC, um, an yeah. in-region opponent, and, you know, opening up uh, with a, a good Division II program tonight at home at 730 and then at home on Sunday versus Lake Erie um, at 3 o'clock. So a uh, great Division two home, home opening weekend for us. I love the mix you have on your roster, too, because it, it seems like it's a great mix of both young and veteran and just so many familiar names and faces from the area. And, you know, people, people that, that people, when you hear your name, you, you know that that dude can play. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, we're fired up. We we had a great 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 roster of talent, uh, but even better guys. You know, they they're they're great to be around. You know, they're about the right stuff. You know, over fifteen players on the on the, on the team. You know, eight of them are from Indiana. You know, and then yeah. probably probably six or seven of those from Central Indiana. So, um, you know, we got a, a group of people, group of guys that you know people in the area. If you don't have anything going tonight or Sunday, you know, these are guys that you're going to want to come see that you probably remember from 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 high school. If you follow high school sports and you know, they're the type of kids that, you know, you're going to want your youngsters looking up to and playing like them. They handle themselves the right way. They play hard. They play good ball. Got a couple of CGers, a couple of uh, Warren Central stands out. Again, all those names that people will know here in central Indiana uh, in a UND uniform. Paul Casaro is their head coach on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What's your expectation and I guess this would be a, a phase-to-phase during the season type of expectation. But what, what do you feel you got as you start the season against Ohio Dominican tonight? You know what? I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this team. You know, last year we uh, made the GLVC uh, championship game. It was the first time in school history that's happened, and we were voted preseason number one by the coaches uh, this year in, in our league. And that's the first time that's happened, too. So there's a lot of excitement. But I, I've made sure to tell our guys that that's great, but it doesn't mean anything. You know, we, this is a new team, a new group. We got to go out and take care of business. And yeah, while we do have a lot of returners, these returners are now in different roles and some in new positions. So, you know, we can't read into anything, read into the headlines. We have to go out there and prove it. Um, you know, to whom much is given, as much is expected, as you, as you know. And, you know, we got to go out there tonight and, you know, just take it one game at a time. You know, I, I, I don't, uh, my, my expectation is to play, um, play, our, play, play the hardest that we can possibly play for 40 minutes tonight. Win, lose, or draw, I always want to be the hardest-playing team out there. And, you know, that, that's what we're going to do tonight. You know, and we're going to see where we're at. And then tomorrow we're going to come together and, you know, evaluate what happens tonight. You know, then, you know, start looking at Sunday's opponent. And that's what we're going to do on Sunday. We just got to take it one game at a time and, and continue to get better every single game. He is the former Ron Colley, great, the head coach at UND, Paul Casaro, as they start their season coming up later on tonight. He joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What's in mind for you as far as rotational numbers, clockwise, concerned in night one? You know what? That, that, that's, um, there, there's a lot of concerns. You know, here's the thing people understand is, you know, we have 15 guys on the team. Like, I wish I could play everybody. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I wish I could play all 15 guys, but the fact of the matter is you can only have out there five at a time, and it, and it hates – I hate this time of year. The one, the one, uh, you know, I love playing. That's, I love this time of year, but the one thing I hate about this time of year is you have to start making some decisions and, you know, certain, certain kids, you know, minutes get trimmed. I wish I could play everybody. Now, as I look at that, I, it, it's a problem, but it's a great problem because – I really think, you know, I got 11, 12, 13 guys that can play. You know, you look at, you know, at the Division One level kind of a comparison to, you know, Purdue last year. They, they were really, really deep, you know, and, and Coach Painter had some decisions to make. I feel like we're that deep at the Division Two level. So, you know, I kind of went in going into the night, you know, with a few ideas in mind. And, you know, this is going to be trial and error for me, too. So what I'll do is, you know, just like I always do, you know, we'll go into the night with the game plan. We'll stick to it. And, you know, we'll evaluate um, tomorrow and, and see if that makes sense again for Sunday. It's going to be a process to figure that out. Hey, Paul, most of basketball on every level now is, is positionless with maybe a couple of exceptions here or there. Do you think there's ever going to be a point when we get back to basketball that, uh, that again, more of a focus of one through five position-wise, or are we going to remain positionless as we move into the longer-term future of hoop? 
you know, I think I, I think um, every um, every sport goes through phases. You know, like you look at the NFL, like you, we never thought we'd go back to seeing, you know, quarterbacks under center hand the ball off ever again. And we're seeing more of that than we have were even, you know, four or five years ago. And, uh, you know, putting more of an emphasis back on the run game. You know, I, I think in basketball we're going to see that again. Maybe not to the extent that we saw in the 80s and 90s. How you're going to come see us play and, you know, we're going to pound it inside to our bigs. I love good bigs. Now, I think to, to really answer your question from an offensive side of things, I right. think that we can get back to that. Now, from a defensive side of things, I, I think that's going to be dictated on the big. You are who you can guard. So if we can yeah. get to a point where our bigs, you know, maybe if another team decides to go with a, a five outlook, if we have a, if you can get a big that, hey, can play inside, but then conversely can still move his feet and defend, I think that's where you really have something. So, you know, you kind of heard, uh, I was watching the Michigan game the other night versus Purdue-Fort Wayne, and that's what Hunter Dickinson and, and, and Jawan Howard have been working all offseason was, was his lateral movement. Well, he's a beast down low. Uh, you know, I think if he goes to the NBA, they're going to still feed it to him down low, but he's trying to set him up to where he can defend those perimeter guys too. So I think it kind of goes both ways. Paul Casaro is the head coach of UND. They start coming up later on tonight on the south side versus Ohio Dominican. Again, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I, I thought about this when, and I, I don't know if you have an answer or not. I, I, I'm sure that probably further down the road that would be a, a dream situation, but are, are there any thoughts to try to do what Southern Indiana right now is in the process of doing? Because I, when, when I think about basketball and I think about Southern Indiana, one of the first teams I think of uh, after them would be UND because there's been such an incredible rivalry, and we see them now – you know, stepping up to the D1 level. Is that the ultimate vision and dream for this basketball program at UND? You know what? I think that's more of a question for, you know, our, our president, our board of trustees, you know, our athletic director. Um, you know, my job is to coach the team. It's definitely something that's been discussed. Um, and I think people in the city have heard the, heard the rumors about that. Um, you know, I've talked to my team about it. And bottom line is our program's in great shape either way. You know, we're already winning at the Division Two level. I, I think we can win. If we do that, make that transition, I, I don't see um, any reason we won't. I have full confidence in that. Uh, but, you know, either way, our job is to win at whatever level we're at. You know, that decision, whether State E2 or Go D1, has no effect um, on our staff or our players or how we go about our business. But right now what I know is this is in 22-23, we're in the GLVC, and we're at Division Two, and we're going to try to win the GLVC Conference Tournament, and we're going to try to win the Division Two National Chip Tournament. Love the way you handle that, by the way, too. That's savvy. I knew you were savvy. That's incredibly savvy. I, I just, I love it. I mean, obviously the rivalry between you guys in the past was great. And I just, I like, uh, I like seeing basketball teams, especially because I love basketball so much, you know, step up and, and, and take on stuff like that. So hopefully further down the road, that certainly happens. All right. What type of season are you expecting overall? We talked about, you know, the phases of a season with the start, Paul, coming up later on tonight. But what is the expectation that you have throughout the season with this group that you have on the roster? You know, just, you know, just continuing to work hard and get better every day. You know, like at the end of the day, it, that, that's what it's all about. You know, um, you know, it's funny you ask me that because I always tell our guys, like, you know, let's not look too far ahead. Let's, let's take it one day at a time. And, you know, uh, in an effort to answer that question without looking too far ahead, anytime you're a competitor, the goal is to win. Bottom line, you know, if you're not, if you're not, as a coach or a player competing to win championships, then what are you doing? So ultimately, you know, there are two championships that we're going to compete for as a conference championship and a national championship. And, and those are always going to be the goals. Now to get there, 
we have to dominate the phases that you alluded to. You know, we're in phase one, which is uh, opening weekend of the non-conference slate. And so we need to go dominate that. And then on Tuesday, we go play in what is – it's actually a unique situation. It's an exhibition for us, but it's counting as a regular season game for – Yeah, Western. Western Kentucky. Yeah, so we're going to go, you know – you know, put our best foot forward down there and uh, try to pull pull off an upset down there. You know that that's what that's going to be in it. And then, and then uh, we go on the road. We go on the road next weekend. So we dominate the phases, but ultimately, I'm not going to hide behind it. Our goal is to compete for championships. I love it. I, I love the style of play with you guys as well. Now, uh, are you going to get to hang out with Rick Stansberry down there <laughs> when you're in Bowling Green? You guys going to hang? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've never met Rick before, but he's a heck of a ball coach. So, you know, he's been to a final four. So I'm looking, looking forward to going up against him. <laughs> he, 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 keep you, he keep you talking for a while. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> he's talking. Hey, how, how, by the way, how, how do you pick and choose these exhibitions with, for example, like Western Kentucky at the D1 level? You know what? To be honest with you, the, the exhibitions are, are tough to come by. You know, last year we – you know, we, we played Purdue very well, and they're number three in the country without two starters. Uh, we went the very next night on a back-to-back night and, and played Butler without the same two starters with tired legs and, and you know, only lost by five. You know, um, you know we, we felt like we competed at the high major level last year, even without our full team. Well, what happened this year was no one wanted to play us because <laughs> when you're getting paid money, uh, you yeah. know, you, you kind of want something easier. Well, it, it was hard to find one this year, and – uh, luckily, Western Kentucky uh, still had an opening for typically exhibitions count as exhibitions for, for both parties. Well, yeah. there's no rule that says, hey, one team can count it for one and one team can count it for another. So Western Kentucky was put it out there. They were still looking for a regular season game. Didn't matter, D1, D2, D3. So we just hit them up and said, hey, we'll come play you. Our schedule's full, but we'll just count it as an exhibition. So that's kind of how that worked out. Awesome. Hey, man, I'm really happy for you. I, I know between you and the Brain Trust, Michael Burris, good things are going to happen on the south side this year. The best of luck with the home opener. Stay in touch, too, whenever you want to come on, man. Just drop me a line, and we'll get you on here. You know that I love promoting it because I love basketball, A, but, B, I love the product, and uh, I love what you're doing down there. So keep it up. Hey, thanks a lot, John. I had to mention we're going to have another south side in the house. We're going to have Jimmy King, Greyhound legend, in the house tonight. He told me he was coming to watch Oh, wait a minute. Like the dad or the the dad or the? No, 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 the son. The son. The The son. The the, the UND great. The, uh, the yeah. No, oh, not the not the not the greatest in his own mind. The dad, right? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> right, no, well, you tell you tell going. Jimmy King I said hello because he's a he's an absolute favorite of mine. Favorite. Uh, he's one of mine too, buddy. I appreciate you. You got it, man. I appreciate that too. It's uh, Paul Casaro on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, I, I like the uh, elder Jimmy King as well, and he knows that. Quick break. We'll come back. Westside Pub, Girls School and Morris, Bud Light Blue Friday. Hagen rejoins us. Don Fisher, top of the hour. More on the Colts and the Raiders and the info from today coming up next. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. Thank you for your support. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Westside Pub. A shout out to Barry for having a great join here, no doubt. Girl School Road in Morris, West Side, hence it being called West Side Pub. Bud Light Blue Friday, we've got Eagles Colts tickets to give away a couple of pair while we're here. We'll do that coming up a little bit later on. Colts, happy hour at 6 o'clock. It's been an eventful week. I'll have plenty to cover. Plus, coming up in about 20 minutes, I'm going to go to your week-ending calls. 
at 239-1070. So go ahead and load it up for that. If you have something to say before the end of the show, you guys can get here. And by the way, a reminder, happy Veterans Day and a hearty thank you to all of your veterans. And no matter what capacity you serve, thank you for your commitment to us. Happy Veterans Day to you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon, the voice of the Hoosiers, I'm guessing, he's not going to be at the Yorktown Chittard game tonight. He's in Columbus, Ohio, staked out at the hotel, ready to go out and have Jeff Keg by dinner. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is with us. Did I get that right? Uh, everything but Keg by dinner. Oh, he always disappoints, Don. Always disappoints. Such such no. a bummer. Yeah, and speaking of bummer, you're probably bummed you can't go watch Chittard in Yorktown tonight. I would like to see that game, no question about it. Uh, but I'll be spending the night here in Columbus, Ohio, as we get ready for a football game tomorrow at 12 noon, airtime at 11 a.m. And obviously that uh, precedes anything I can do from a a pleasant standpoint tonight. <laughs> well, you could have you could have just rolled over there in the middle of the night, got in there about three in the morning or something like that. Yeah, that's really good for a seventy-six-year-old uh, who can't get enough There's... sleep the way it is. <laughs> and you're not seventy-six years old. That's such crap. There's no way. Well, I wish it was, but it's true. So why do you? Why you look younger than me? God dang you! No, I don't. Trust me. <laughs> yes, it's, yes, it's you do. All makeup. It's all makeup. Hey, Speaking of, yeah, speaking of young, I'm not going to get ahead of myself at all with this IU group because I consider, obviously, the competition and the circumstances. But, man, they, they look to be loaded in the area of young talent on that squad. They got a really interesting mixture of, like, ultra-veteran dudes and very young guys right now. I like it. Well, and they got the medium range uh, uh, veterans too, because uh, Geronimo's been around a couple of years, yeah. and uh, so is uh, Trey Galloway, and Tamar Bates is, is his second season. So they they've got some guys that uh, are a mix that's very interesting, as you point out. And the one thing I will say at this point, John, and again, uh, it's a very light schedule that they played at this point. But the depth that looks like they have this year might be as good as we've seen. I, I'm not quite sure when we've had this much depth before because uh, Mike, Mike Woodson last year talked about the fact that he wanted to have 10 guys that could play and, and he could inter, you know, interchange and all that kind of thing. And we just thought that's fool's gold. And, and certainly last year it kind of was. Uh, but not so this year because the guys that have come back, the, the ultra veterans that you point out, which would be race and trace, Miller Cop, uh, those guys, along with Xavier Johnson, I mean, those guys obviously are veterans, but the rest of these guys are guys that have only been around a couple of years, and yet they've made huge inroads. I love the way Geronimo's playing right now. Galloway has definitively improved his shot, and he really looks good from last night and the first two games that we've seen up to this point. Tamar Bates has definitely improved. There's no question about that. It, there's just so many guys you can point to, and then you've got these freshmen that have come in and really have kind of changed the whole scene. So uh, it's a tremendous mix of guys at this juncture that we're seeing, and if they continue to you know, make us believe in them uh, with their play, this is going to be a special year. Don Fisher's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Something that struck me last night, and, and who knows how any of these early season games like this translate to, for example, you know, what they're going to get a week from tonight, you know, on the road at, at Xavier with, with a better team. 
But the one thing that I think is going to be there all season is what we saw with that Miller cop open off an offensive rebound or a skip pass where defensively they're paying much more attention to somebody else, maybe Trace, but somebody else in general. I think he's going to have a lot of those opportunities of knockdown shots as he stepped into last night. If he can do that, that's a different level of play with this team that we've seen in a while. Well, there's no question, and, and that's the question. Can they deliver that on a consistent basis? That's that's what we haven't seen yet from an Indiana basketball team in a long time. And we've had guys, Parker Stewart last year, obviously make a three, but did he do it consistently? No. Uh, Miller last year, uh, just obviously he not, he was never consistent. He had one yeah. tremendous game in which he scored 28 against Syracuse, and the next time he went out on the floor, he didn't score a point. And, and it was kind of that way through the year. He never had anything close to that 28-point performance again. But I think last year was uh, different for him. I, I say that in the sense, uh, you know, he came from Northwestern. And sure, they had nice crowds occasionally and that kind of thing. And he played in big venues elsewhere. But when he got to Indiana, I think this was a whole different ball game for him. And I think it affected him, I don't want to say in a negative way, but I don't think there, I don't think he was really comfortable last year. A lot of the time, this year he looks as comfortable as you could possibly be because he has had some really cool looks at this point and knocked them down yeah. when they were necessary. And you know, again, it's it's a very small sample size, and we'll see how it plays out as the year goes on. But I really like what I've seen from him thus far, and I watched him in practice, and he doesn't miss him in practice either. You know, it's it, that's um, and nothing against him at all, but that's why. He's there, and that's that's a a player like that's dream because he's going to get so many opportunities to be able to set his feet and step into threes, and then it just comes down to, as you mentioned, consistently making them. I know he did last night, but that is so necessary for this team to go to a different level of play. And I think other guys, John, in that vein, have also stepped up. Like I said, Galloway hit a couple last mm-hmm. night again. He hit one, I think, in the in the Moorhead State game, and I think he had even in the uh, in the exhibition games he had one or two. So uh, I just think there are more guys capable of doing that, John, and that is going to be such a critical factor for this team because that's that's a weapon they have not previously had. And and to add that to the mix of Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson inside. And Malik Renew has just impressed me dramatically with how good he is with his feet, with his movement down low. He is strong as an ox. Um, and he's going to give people trouble inside, you know, down inside as well. He just improves the, the front line. Geronimo's improvement is dramatic, in my opinion, as well. He, he started to show this last year at the end of the season. And in the first couple of ball games, he's done it again. It's just this whole, this whole team right now just looks like it's an improved ball club, which means they put in the work over the last five months to get better, and it shows. Don Fisher joins us. He didn't shoot it great last night, but just watching in live action like that, Hood Shafino just has a different gear than others do. I mean, he just does. Yeah, he does. I mean, the thing about him that's so impressive to me uh, is this guy looks as comfortable on the floor as a freshman yeah. as any senior I've ever seen. He just goes out there and plays. And and he's still learning exactly what Coach Woodson wants him to do and how he wants him to play and the role he wants to fill. 
But I just like I think I like the way he goes about his business out there. He is all business on the court. Uh, he's not screwing around ever. And when you watch him play, there's just a, a, a basketball IQ that you see in this kid. And uh, that's special as well. Uh, and I love what uh, I think Xavier Johnson, I think in the first two exhibition games, he was really forcing things again, kind of like he started out last year at times. Uh, and then the last two ball games, the, ex- the uh, two regular season games that we've played up to this point, he has settled down. And he's letting the game come to him a little bit more. I just see improvement every place I look. And I, I think that's the key to this basketball team right now is what Coach Woodson has gotten those guys to believe in and do uh, in the offseason to get ready for this year. What do you think about this backcourt uh, with, with Hood Shafino and, and, and Xavier Johnson compared to what we have seen in the past with, you know, some of the more, I guess, successful backcourts that you in recent history can remember? Um, what do you think about this group maybe added up against some of those? Well, I, I, it's hard. To, again, the, the sample size is not big enough for me to really kind of judge these guys at this point. But there is nothing that I haven't seen at this juncture that I don't like. I, I just, I, there's nothing that you can point to that would say, man, if, 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 if there's something they're doing wrong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, right. literally, there's, I don't see anything. I don't see any negatives right now. And, uh, you know, there are going to be nights when guys don't hit shots and all those kinds of things. We know that. That's just basketball. It's college basketball. And there's going to be teams that, you know, can take advantage of whatever weaknesses we're going to find that Indiana has. But right now, I'm not seeing a lot of that. And that's what intrigues me the most about this basketball team because they just seem to have so many different pieces. And, of course, it's Mike's job to make sure that that continues and he can fit those pieces together because this team has as much talent as I've seen in a while. And, uh, again, injuries and all those kinds of things can come into play. But right now, when you look at this ball club, you have to be impressed with what you see. You mentioned Mike Woodson had told you that he would would like to rotate 10, correct, game yeah, after game. What, yeah, that's what he said. He said that last year. And he was hoping yeah. to get 10 guys that could play and, and guys that he could piece together uh, different rotations, that kind of thing. And, and you remember last year, John, we've talked about this before, I think, but you remember last year that he would sub in three or four guys at a time. Uh, and it probably would happen in the first seven, eight minutes of the ball game. And Indiana might have had an eight or 10 point lead and it would dissipate to almost nothing um, or, or they'd get behind, uh, especially against the better teams that they faced. And and it was such a problem to put out that many guys at one time last year. But that's what Mike wants to do. He wants to have it more like an NBA rotation-type scenario where you can stick in there three or four guys uh, at a time and not lose anything. And so far, it's worked. I mean, <laughs> the last two games, the two regular season games compared to the two exhibition games, well, the two exhibition games, the starters started out strong. And the two regular season games they played, they started out a little bit slower. Didn't look quite as sharp. The two ball clubs that they played uh, stayed with them for the first five to seven minutes. And when he put those uh, second teamers in there, all of a sudden they got a spark and they started pulling away. They did it again last night. So it just looks to me like uh, he's got so many pieces that he could fit together out there. It's just going to be fun to watch and see how he does it. In this era, too of college basketball, that's a high-wire act. 
to try to get that, to try to pass out so many minutes to so many different players because it is so easy for somebody to say, all right, well, I didn't get enough clock tonight, so, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here. Easier than ever, certainly now. That's, that's a hell of a job you have, a uh, task that you have if you're Mike Woodson. You're, you're, I've talked about that with two or three people over the last couple of weeks uh, after watching this team play. Uh, there's no question that Mike has his work cut out for him in that vein because, again, playing time is what players want. They want to be on yeah. the floor, you know, 25, 30, 30 minutes, you know, that kind of thing. And if they don't get that kind of time, uh, it starts to be a problem for some. And they're not looking at it from we're all in for the team basis. They're looking at it from, gosh, I need those minutes to, to show what I can do so I can get to the next level. That's, that, you know that's what they're all thinking. Right. Uh, somehow, some way, you've got, to, you've got to be able to quell that kind of thinking. And remember, uh, have these guys remember, this is a team game, and it's a team sport. And you're not going to go anywhere from a winning-losing standpoint uh, if you're going to have a, an attitude where the team doesn't come first. And I think that'll be the maybe the – I don't know if it'll be the biggest challenge that Mike will have this year, but right now it looks like that would be number one at this point. Well, and it's, it's interesting because it's almost like that's exactly, Don, what you want, but then the downside is you have to deal with it, and that's the right. reality of it. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, you got. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, Geronimo's getting like maybe twelve minutes or fifteen yeah. minutes of ball game yep. right now. Yep. Well, he is such a great athlete, and he he has the tools to be special. And I think he's gotten to be more special now than and last year at the end of the season than any time in his career. And I think that's just going to continue to grow. Tamar Bates, he's a guy that came in here with uh, all kinds of accolades and really had a struggling year last season because of some personal situations that he was dealing with and never kind of, you know, after he, after he played in the Bahamas and, and uh, started the season on a hot streak, uh, it just didn't come to fruition. He started letting the other, well, the other problems obviously kind of overwhelmed him to some degree, and he was not the same player much of the rest of the season. And now this year he's made dramatic improvement uh, just on how he goes about his business out there. So uh, these are all guys that feel like they deserve a lot of minutes. And uh, right now with 10 guys, uh, you're going to have to try to spread that out as evenly as possible. And I don't know how easy that's going to be. Not only that, but then you have to to figure out in-game situations, who you're going to close with, you know, of all that 10 rotationally speaking, you got to figure out who's playing, who you need at those moments to best close a game in some right. situations. So, man, that's, that is a high wire act. There's no doubt. It's, it's great. It's great you had that possibility, but, man, that is tough to manage, especially in this era. Yep, and, and think about it. I mean, kind of you, you looked at Purdue last year, and it looked like they had kind of that same issue. I mean, I'm they not did. saying that yes. they had problems, but they had a ton of talent that they were utilizing on the floor. And, and Matt Painter was, uh, uh, you know, uh, dishing out minutes to a lot of different people last year. And whether that affected them at the end of the season, I don't know. But I do know this, that as we pointed out and you pointed out right here, it's not an easy thing to do with the players of today and with the NIL and the portal that they've got the players have to go to if they want to. Man, it's, it's a tough job. 
Hey, one final thing with Don Fisher regarding IU basketball last night is I, I can't remember at what point it was of the season a year ago. Can you remember where Xavier Johnson, and I, I'll put it this way, just kind of on the floor, chilled, and became more of the relied-upon player that we saw? I can't remember when it was. Can you remember a game when – because there was a point he's going too fast, doing too much, and then there was yeah. kind of that moment where he, he chilled – and was a much more valued player after that. I can't remember the game, but I know the last 10 games of the season, probably eight of those were his best moments. He played some of his best basketball in those last 10 games of the season. I mean, he was terrific in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Even when he wasn't making shots, he was making plays for his teammates. He was uh, running the pick and roll really well. I thought the last 10 games of the season last year, and I can't go back and tell you what game I specifically that it was where we saw a big change in him, but it was basically the last 10 games of the year, and he was just a different player. Yeah, he was. All right, you want to dive into any football tomorrow? Coming up at noon is the kick, 11 a.m., your pregame. You talk about a tall task, so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's what you got on your plate today. <laughs> well, the, yeah. on their plate tomorrow is going to be the toughest test of the year because they're playing the number two team in the country. They're still unbeaten, has tools like you can't believe to work with. Uh, they're playing, their playing talent is just, uh, I don't think anybody in the Big Ten can match it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't get beat, but uh, Michigan proved that last year with their upset of Ohio State. But look, I, I just look at it this way. Indiana's got to come out. They've got, to, they've got to fix the offensive line, which I don't think is fixable, but they've got to somehow find a way to at least make it palpable. And I don't know that that's even possible at this point. And if they do that, Connor Bazelak will be back in the starting lineup tomorrow. I don't think there'll be any doubt in that regard. Uh, he may get some help there as the game progresses, depending on how things flow. But if they get off to a really bad start uh, in this ball game and don't get off to a nice start, and I'm not saying they're going to do anything dominant, but you know they kind of, kind of. It would be hoped that they would get off to some kind of a start tomorrow that doesn't put them in such a big hole that they can't get out of it right away and make this a competitive battle. That's what I'm hoping for because I can't, I can't realistically look and say Indiana's going to win this game tomorrow in any way, shape, or form, just based on what we've seen from this football team in the last six games. This. Try to keep it interesting, too. You know what I mean? Keep everybody engaged. And kind of like, not so much like the Colts where you do it off the field and turn it into a bit of a circus. Not like that. But, yeah, keep things interesting, right? And then, I guess, see what happens. I, yeah, I don't know how else to put it in a matchup like what you're going to be calling tomorrow. Well, I, 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 I don't know what the line is on this ball game, but I heard it was astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – yeah. yeah. It's Those your age. Don't put, <laughs> I, I don't mean I, that. I mean, it's 40. It's 40. I'm no. suggesting you look more like you're 40. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I wish that was true. But here's the thing, John. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of a 40-point line before. I'm not saying it hasn't no. happened. But I don't, I don't, I never look at the line. So, therefore, I don't know if it's happened recently or, or any time in the last 10 years. I have no idea. But to, to be a 40-point underdog in a football game, Wow. That's saying it's John Herrick's age and his 40 time. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. 
All right, John. I'm gonna find out what John's forty time is tonight. So. Oh well go run it go run him in the parking lot. So see <laughs> see what happens. Hey uh, have a great call regardless. 11 a.m. on WIBC here locally on the uh, the CareSource Radio Network coming at you tomorrow morning, correct? I hope they're I, – yeah, yes, John, that is correct, and I hope that they shock me tomorrow. I, I hope that they all come up to me after the ball game and say, see how stupid you were yesterday? <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I hope that happens, but I ain't holding my breath. Well, <laughs> you know that I'm a full-time listener to you. And I just hope you have a little bit of fun up there because I don't know how much fun you've been having recently. So I, uh, I need more fun out of you. Yeah, well, I'd like to have a little fun myself. So, yes, uh, <laughs> that would be that would be interesting tomorrow to make it fun. Yeah, it would. Yeah, you no doubt. All right, well, tell everybody over there we said hello. Have a great call. We'll do it next week, Don. Yeah, I, saw, I hate to sound like Debbie Downer, but, you know, like no. you, I want to salute our veterans because, man, Veterans Day is so important, and these guys deserve everything that they get from a lauding standpoint because they have given – many of them have given their lives for us, and we so, so many to give it back to them. So, so, so many people, and um, it, it needs recognized, Don. I think we both agree on this more than just one day or certainly. So yeah, but, uh, we have this one day and we do it as much as we can to recognize just the gift that they have uh, given us all. No doubt. Yep, No question. That's the, the reason we're here is because of them. Yeah. All right. Have a great call. 11 a.m. WIBC here locally tomorrow morning, Don. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Uh, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I was just thinking about this, Kyle. Next week, they're going to be on the road at Xavier, right? So I'm assuming Don's going to be with them. So I wonder how we're going to have to adjust that. That's a Friday night game, I believe, next Friday, correct? IU on the road basketball-wise at Xavier. That is, yeah, 6 o'clock tip. So that's going to be interesting how we handle that next week, I guess. Might have to do some adjusting, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Here's what I got for you. I have got about 30 minutes to talk, if you want to, Colts and Raiders, the week in general of the Colts, my stance at the beginning of the show regarding the Colts and the Raiders, or anything else you want to hit, whether it's college football, college basketball, got Gonzaga and Michigan State going out in San Diego later on tonight, a little Purdue hoopage if you want to do that, college football, as I mentioned. We want to hit some Pacers? We can. Pacers play Toronto coming up tomorrow night. Love to hear from you. In fact, I got 30 minutes for you, so go ahead and make it loud and proud here at 239-1070. Westside Pub, Bud Light Blue Friday. We're at Morris and Girls School. We're going to start to give away here relatively soon. We've got two pair of Eagles-Colts tickets to give away for that game coming up a week from Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Eagles-Colts tickets for you and your calls at 239-1070 next. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Westside Pub is our location. Thank you to my friends at Zinc Distributing. Bud Light Blue Friday is what we're doing here. We've got Eagles Colts tickets to give away a couple of pair while we're here, so be ready for that. Uh, this is Pearl Jam Even Flow. The reason why we're coming back in with that tomorrow night's JMV Takeover. JMV Takeover. We got the final two up until 
my Christmas music hiatus. And what that means is whenever Christmas music starts to be played 24-7, I go on hiatus because I love doing Saturday nights there, but I don't play Christmas music. We're not doing that. And that's a smart thing in what they do because everybody around here loves it and listens to it, uh, except for me. So I will go on a hiatus. I've got two more coming up tomorrow night and then a week from Saturday. Tomorrow night's going to be the best of the 90s. In fact, I think they call it all 90s right now. But it'll be six hours of nothing but the 90s coming up with me tomorrow night, six until midnight on B105.7. It is the best of the 90s, and I cannot wait to dive into that. That's going to be awesome. It's honestly, the Yacht Rock weekends that we do and all this other stuff, the 90s would be right up there with some of the, the Halloween weekend or the Halloween show that we did, some of the most popular and most phone calls we get request-wise every Saturday night. The best of the 90s with me. It's the JMV Takeover coming up tomorrow night on B105.7. You know, before we get back to the Colts, and if you guys want to chime in, 239-1070, we'll get into the uh, Shaquille Leonard injury situation going on the injured list today. Uh, just in a second, and Matt Ryan backing up Sam Ellinger coming up on Sunday with that matchup with the Raiders in Vegas. This was interesting to me because you had the Astros. The Astros marched to a World Series title and evidently lowball their general manager with a one-year deal, and he just says, you know what, I'm done. And I don't know how it works. I'm sure I'd have to ask Tucker Barnhart, for example, this sometime. But the way that you watch that Astros team look, both pitching-wise and in the field, positional players, it seems like somebody did one hell of a job in scouting with this group. They just had arm after arm. They have position players after position players. Think about Correa, for example, who bails on a one-year free agent deal, who's going to be a free agent again this year, and they replace him with a guy like Pena. I mean, just incredible. But, yeah, one, one year is what they offered, and you know, the general manager of the Astros, and I don't know the storyline behind it. It's kind of amazing to see it with uh, guiding this team over the past three years to get that World Series title is uh, evidently not going to be back in Houston as their general manager. Now, the general manager here with the Colts would be Chris Ballard. We'll continue to see where that ends up going. I will maintain this, and I don't give much of an opportunity for the Colts to win coming up on Sunday. I, I hope they do for a variety of reasons, of which I stated a little bit earlier but I think it's going to be way too much to try to overcome. But anybody with me on this? And I know that a couple of weeks ago and even prior to that, there was that loud voice out there that suggested you wanted to see Sam Ellinger, and Sam Ellinger could be a difference. And I know this offensive line has probably gotten worse and not better in pass protecting. But can we all agree or do you disagree? that the best chance they would have to win would be with Matt Ryan? You don't believe the best chance they have to win is quarterbacking Sam Ellinger on Sunday, do you? Am I wrong about that? I understand, well, they can't move, and you saw what happened. It led to a shoulder injury and led to his benching. The thing of it is right now, the owner's the one that wants Sam Ellinger out there. 
I'm just talking about specifically giving this team its best chance to win. And I know what against the commanders that game entailed, and that wasn't on him. And as I mentioned, he looked fine. Uh, He was a mess, much like all of the offense was in Foxborough last weekend. But does he not give them the best chance to win? I would be shocked if we don't see him at some point on Sunday. Be shocked, which is probably not a good thing. But does he not give them the best chance to win? And when you look at a couple of teams, and one that has been major in the news for what has been going down off the field, within the organization, with the firing of Frank Reich, with the hiring of interim head coach Jeff Saturday off of ESPN, with the the bringing up of Parks Frazier as the offensive coordinator. But then when you look at the other side with the Raiders, it's also interesting because of this. Their leading tackler last week with 11. He decided to go ahead, Blake Martinez, to retire. They've won two games this year. They've had three times led by 17 points, three different games this season, only to lose. They are among the larger disappointments along with the Colts on the season. And in fact, when you think about it, if the Colts were to go out there and be able to sustain something, be able, let's just say, to compete, and let's just say win, if they were able to do that, you would have to wonder about the short-term future of Josh McDaniels given the level of disappointment they've had. That was a playoff team a year ago. And Devontae Adams last week was really good. A couple of touchdown catches. You knew going in that he was going to be difficult to deal with, even more so, I'm sure, for this Colts defense coming up on Sunday. But the the defense was far from the issue at New England last weekend. What about the offense? You really, truly wanted to win? Does Matt Ryan give this team a better opportunity at doing that? Or is it still in your estimation, Sam Ellinger? Because I think it's still the owner, more so than anything else, that's making the call that wants to see Ellinger. But he has backpedaled. Better chance to win or not? We'll close it out with you with those phone calls coming up at 239-1070. I would agree with a lot of your assessments out there. It seems like with both of these teams being awful, being in awful positions, being disappointed, and then being in the news for a lot of things you don't want to be in the news about. Seems like they've been on the gossip page. Whatever team gets off to a decent start, you would think, has a great advantage. Now, that has not been at all the forte of the Colts. I'm not expecting it. But it does seem like with what has gone on in the past, and with the Colts especially this past week, if you don't get off to a good start, You get swamped as a team. Think about what happened last Sunday against New England, thinking about exactly where you are as a team, how disappointing you are, getting your coach fired. Seems like that that could swamp you. But on the other side with the Raiders, you're kind of working with the same thing. And then in your home stadium, do the Boo Birds come out? If, for example, the Colts find lightning in a bottle and get off to a decent start. Seems like whatever team gets off to a good start would have a, a really reasonable advantage. See if they're able to do that. 
Quick break, and we'll come back. If you want to jump on board, you can at 239-1070. Colts Happy Hour coming up at the top of the hour. Westside Pub is our location. Bud Light Blue Friday. We've got tickets to give away. It's going to be the Jeff Saturday home debut at Lucas Oil Stadium a week from Sunday. The Eagles in town, and we're going to give you a chance at a couple of pair of tickets we'll give away a little bit later on. Shout out to Barry at Westside Pub for having us. At least once every year, it's a great spot over here off of Morris and Girl School Road. Quick break. We'll come back. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, I am arguing right now on Twitter with some horse's ass named SWV. No, that's a group from the 90s. I'm going to play that tomorrow night. That's Sisters with Voices. No, this is, um, who is this, Kyle? SWW? He's what I like to call, and you get this all the time on Twitter, he's an anonymous wuss is what he is. SWW. Go there and look how I am carrying the water, or I guess because I'm a wuss because I wear a knee brace. I don't wear a knee brace every day. I wear it when I play hoop. And I would beat your ass playing hoop, too. SWW Anonymous Wuss. I love doing that. I love name calling. Kyle, did you know me to be a really good name caller? I'm a really good Twitter name caller. I think I've developed a signature move or two in terms of Twitter name calling. Do you like that? I think you more so just are willing to, I think a lot of people tweet at you, not expecting a response because a lot of people in your position don't really respond. But they get a response back, and not only is it a response, but all of a sudden you're calling somebody an anonymous wuss. Anonymous wuss. That's exactly what he is. I think it catches people off guard. I love it. I do now, again, I'm not nice. I'm nice until it's time not to be nice. That's how it goes. Shout out to Dalton for that. But no, seriously, come on. I think I do like that. I'm a name caller. I never thought I was going to be a name caller on Twitter. I've developed into one. That's like my signature move now, I think, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Let me go back and forth with some dude named SWW right here. That's good. That's what I want to do. That's awesome. So here's the thing. I started the start of the – actually, at the start of the show, I started out this way. Um, I had mentioned – that I kind of came this morning with all these screaming and yelling national shows, I came to the conclusion, and even though I, again, this week picked against the Colts, and I don't think they have much of an opportunity because of the way this week has gone, and maybe even more importantly, because of what their offense looked like last Sunday, because that's just their look right now. But I started the show... When I heard Joe Thomas of the NFL Network, and I don't give a damn if he played in the NFL or not. That doesn't faze me a bit. I don't care. Because I know what these shows are all about. These shows are all about who can be the most outrageous and get more airtime. And paraphrasing here, what this former NFL lineman, Joe Thomas, had to say about the interim hiring of Jeff Saturday, while I look back at this week, and it was a clown show. And why I don't firmly agree with it, 
And I do believe that Jeff Saturday is going to have a seat somewhere within this organization at a high level, regardless of what takes place on Sunday. I will take exception to that being, as he framed this up this morning, the most egregious thing that he has seen in his time in the NFL. That's not even in the top 10 of egregious things that have gone on in the NFL in his times in the NFL. While it's bad here because you have the the owner that is meddling and being way too much of a part of it right now, where at some point he needs to back away again, like he did when the team was consistently good and you can count on it being good. You know, that's the type of the golden era where you need to embrace that if you're Jim Irsay one of these days, once you get everything in place to where you want to go. But to call it egregious is 100% inaccurate. It may be a bad move. It may be an ill-advised call. It may be a mishandling of a situation. In fact, it is probably all of the above, but egregious in terms of a career for a former player in what he has seen or been a part of is incredibly inaccurate. And I got to the point where I got so sick and tired of this hyperbole playing a role on these morning shows, screaming and yelling at one another. I said, enough is enough. So I hope the Colts do go out there on Sunday and beat the hell out of the Raiders. I picked them not to, but I hope they do. And if you shut these people up for a minute, shut these people up for a minute. At some point, you just get tired of it. And I got tired of it. Started the show that way. Westside Pub, we're going to continue moving forward. Colts Happy Hours on the other side. We're going to give away these tickets to Eagles Colts tickets. That is coming up a week from Sunday. Somebody is going to win Westside Pub, Bud Light Blue Friday. The Colts Happy Hour coming up next. 93.5 and 107.5. Don't go away.